Welcome everybody to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah and I will be your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end the stigma. It is my intention with this podcast to motivate, educate and inspire you on your very own journey to become the best versions of yourself. Welcome back everybody to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. As always, my name is Sarah and I will be your host. Today we have a one-off special. Yes, that's right. I don't think I'd ever be able to share anything so personal ever again. But you know what? It is incredible, so you're getting it. (laughs) This week, I must apologise for the delay. I've been working flat out and I've neglected my baby. (laughs) So for that, I am very sorry. But here we are on a Sunday afternoon. What better way to spend it? So this week, I'm sharing with you my chat with Bridget Cooper on the universe. Bridget is a life coach, but she is on another level. Bridget actually did a reading on me previous to to this chat, something that she does with her clients, and today we are going to delve into it. We are also going to host a live life coaching session where Bridget takes a look into my brain and pulls things out for me. It is a crazy show, (laughs) and I can't wait for you to hear it. I'll say this now, that this show is a longer one, um, so if you have to listen to it two parts, then you do that, Um, and really important, if you don't want to hear about the universe and you'll get offended or it's not in line with your beliefs, then please don't listen, (laughs) just wait for the next show. But if you're on the fence and you've got an open mind, just see how it goes. So here we go, people. So welcome the one and only Bridget Cooper to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. How are you today? Oh, Sarah, I'm so great. Thank you for having me. Honestly, it's amazing. I am so excited to speak with you. Our first ever American guest and yeah, and our very first universe full on deep chats. Um, So (laughs) I've toyed with the listeners for quite a long time that I would get into all things universe, but I didn't want to do it too soon on and put everybody off. (laughs) So um, I think by now everybody knows me well enough. And here we are. So before we do this, I'm going to warn the listeners that we are going to dabble into kind of a life coaching session with myself and Bridget. And Bridget has done me my very own human design reading, which we're going to find out all about. So I'm very excited and very nervous. Um, so yeah, let's do this. Bridget, we connected on Instagram and I just love what you're doing. Please tell me and the listeners your story. So what is it that you do and what brought you here? Sure, it would be my honor. So my story begins back in March of 2018. I was living a very, you know, standard American life. I had three beautiful sons, a wonderful husband, a very um, lucrative career in corporate America. And I was just starting to, I was 42 years old. So I was starting to feel, you know, kind of that midlife. um, Oh, like this is what I'm doing now. Like this is my life. Um, (laughs) And really sort of feeling kind of neutral about it. And I was listening to Gwyneth Paltrow's first podcast, her first Goop podcast, and she had Oprah on. And that was, you know, that was a win for me. And during this podcast, Oprah talked about the book, the, um, A New Earth. And she said that everyone should read this book. And for whatever reason, I can't explain to you exactly why. I would say it was my intuition. I ordered the book and I read A New Earth. 
And then I, and I liked it, but then I realized he had another book called the power of now. And I read the power of now. And it was like my whole life shifted. Um, just understanding how, you know, I don't live in the present moment ever. I was always, you know, ruminating about the past or worrying about the future. And the timing of this Goop podcast and Eckhart Tolle book was important because two weeks later, my oldest brother was diagnosed with terminal cancer and he came home from Florida and he moved in with my parents and he went through the 18 month process of saying goodbye to this human experience. And what I know is that I remember when he, when he told me that he had, that he was sick and thinking about it and, and having this knowing that this book, the power of now was an important part of what I was, how I was supposed to navigate this journey. And so I spent about, so during that time I was doing the power of now, uh, the rest of 2018. And I also then discovered a woman called Brooke Castillo and she has a podcast called the life coach school podcast. And at the time she probably had about 200 podcast episodes and, and I would just listen to her and she filled my ears with concepts that I never even knew existed. Like we get to decide what things mean to us, that we decide how we feel about something. We, that she taught me how to manage my mind and how to feel my feelings. And it was, it, it just felt like I was experiencing this whole new, you know, world um, of possibility while still working, you know, in my job, in, you know, in my family, with my brother being sick, noticing how that was impacting everybody. And as a result of um, Eckhart and Brooke, I just, I realized I needed to make a change in my career. So I went to my organization with a request that I thought would have, you know, you want to make what what's working work. So I thought, okay, well, if I can go back to working four days a week, that will allow me to, you know, feel better. And they said no. And I was just totally... I was just like, I was done. I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. I, you know what I mean? You feel like your whole life is, you don't have any control over, you know, it, it, that other people get to decide what it is, like the sort of a quality of life thing. But I didn't know what to do. Like I knew I could go to another organization and be successful, but I sort of, as a result of Eckhart and Brooke understood that like maybe there was something else that like I was supposed to be doing. So it was the first time I surrendered something to God, to the universe, to like the higher power. And I just said, show me the way, show me the how, show me the way, show me the how. And one morning on a Thursday morning in January of 2019, I didn't realize that Brooke had a life coach certification program. Like all the times I was listening to her tell me and give me the business and, you know, shake me awake. I didn't know that she had this whole program where you could do that for other people. So I literally, I got on the train on a Thursday morning to go into my job that I've been, you know, was increasingly, like I was desperately unhappy at this point. I felt so wronged, you know, by my rejected request of four days and Brooke was in my ears and she was like, should you become a life coach? And I was like, bing, it was, <laughs> it was like, that's what I'm doing. And my husband and I were in marriage therapy at the time. So I literally like worked all day. And I was like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to become a life coach. Like it was, it's almost like a calling. I would say it was like, I got my calling of what I was supposed to do. And I met him at therapy that night. And I told him in the hallway waiting room, like, 
I'm going to become a life coach. And, you know, God bless him. He was like, what are you, what? Okay. You know, I think he thought I was kidding. Um, <laughs> I remember going into the therapist's office and, you know, we had our session and I brought it up and, and later during a one-on-one session with me, she said, you know, I could feel how you like knew, like this was something you were doing. And I was like, oh, good. Because then I had to go through the process of leaving, of saying goodbye to something that I was for 20 years that a lot of people around me didn't really, you know, understand. Of course, why would they? You know what I mean? You're going to leave something that's incredibly lucrative. Again, that's the whole thing. You make a lot of money. You There's a lot of benefits. It makes your life nicer. I'm like, right, but I'm, I'm miserable. Like, I understand why people have midlife crises where they like, where they, where they, where they completely upend their life in a negative way because they're, they just feel so stuck. So I feel, I feel like Eckhart came into my life and sort of was like, you don't have to do it quite that way. Let's, let's sort of, let's like avoid that. And you know, that real like deep kind of like falling into the hole. Um, I became, I studied to become a certified life coach and then I discovered Lacey Phillips to be magnetic which introduced me to inner child and shadow work along with manifestation. So she taught me that, you know, what you have and what you create in your life is based on your worthiness. And I had a lot of low self-worth, so as many people do. And so I went through the inner child and shadow work and through her program, I discovered a system called human design. And I discovered human design. And once again, it was like, all of the pieces started to come together. It was like Eckhart came into my life and things became clear. Brooke came into my life and things became clear. Lacey came into my life, clarity. And then human design, which um, you know was the, probably the final big tool that came into my life. Um, it just made everything clearer to me and allowed me to leave 20 years in corporate America with no regrets. I like danced out the door, waving goodbye, you know, like Miss America. Bye. Um, and, you know, and never look back. And now I, you know, I help other people with the talents that I, and gifts that I now understand that I have that I wasn't able to use, you know, in my other career, just because it was, you know, I would say to people, I wasn't in my lane. And now I am in my lane. Wow. So like, like, cause you hear of this all of the time, you hear of people, they get to a certain age and they think, what the hell have I been doing for 20 years? Like, you know, I need, I need a, a change in my life. So how scary was that leaving, like you said, a lucrative career, which, you know, had a, you had a nice life off the back of, but cause you were so miserable, you left, like how scary was that? Well, I gave myself a year. So this is this is uh, the funny detail of my story. So I have I understand that that I have a beautiful sense of timing that that even though my life has been kind of bumpy, knocked around, which is part of my human design, that there's always been this beautiful sense of timing of like when things happen, even good and bad. You know, good and bad things happen in this timing. And so when I made the decision to become a life coach, in so in January I made the decision of January 19 I made the decision in April 19 I I started my certification class and I was like okay I'm giving myself one year to to you know move through this transition from a standpoint of saying goodbye to that part of myself while I was still there do you know what I mean like I think there's something so beautiful about about 
relationships and um, everything in our life is a relationship to people, to persons, places, and things. But to some relationships are just complete. Do you know what I mean? Like there's nothing, it doesn't have to be, things don't have to end because you're mad or because you're dissatisfied or because there's conflict. It's like, it can just be that it's time for it to end. And that was one of the gifts that I gave myself as I was moving through the transition was I gave myself a year and the, the year mark was March of 2020. Wow. Oh God. <laughs> so, um, so just to give myself that, um, cause I knew that like just the way that I was wired, even before I understood even more about how I was, was that that was not going to be easy for me to do. It was not going to be easy for me just to walk away it had to be something that I felt I had foundationally kind of grasped Um, because also, you know, the external validation, which many people suffer from is, you know, is still real for me and was, you know, even realer for me back then. I didn't feel that the people, you know, that my father who is now no longer with us and my husband who God love them, you know, but it was, it's a, that they didn't, believe in me. You know what I mean? They didn't support me in the decision. But what's interesting is when, when you know something so strongly and when you have that calling. And so I grew up Roman Catholic and we would talk to a lot of nuns and priests and, um, you know, in various ways. And a lot of times people would ask them, well, how did you know that you wanted to be a nun or a priest? And they would say, oh, well, it was a calling. I remember being very skeptical of that answer and thinking, I don't know about that. Like, I just didn't necessarily believe it. But what I know is that when you, when you understand that you're here to do something, it makes the, it's almost like you don't have a choice anymore. You know what I mean? Once you see it, you have to continue to move forward with the knowledge that you have and, um, and trust and surrender. And as you know, that is, that's like the trick that humans don't know about that is why we are in the state of the world that we're in right now. So, um, so I did give myself a big cushion of time to adjust to it and to, um, and to give myself permission to leave. You know what I mean? Cause I didn't feel like I was going to get that. No one else was going to be like, that's a good idea. You should do that. You know, yeah. people were like, okay. Yeah, I get you. It's like, it's like for me, so I've got this podcast. And, you know, this has been going since January 2021. And I keep threatening to put an ad show out as to what I'm doing, but I still can't bring myself to do it. Because the worry of external validation, like, you know, because in the things that I do with the Reiki and the life coaching and the crystal healing, like, you, unless you are in that world, and you believe it, you know, trying to convince other people that it works and it's not just some woo-woo, as they call it, thing, you know, it, it's it's really difficult. So for me to kind of be brave and say, this is who I am and this is what I do, it feels so weird because I'm going against the normal grain of society. So it can be quite difficult to sort of push yourself out there, can't it, and be who you want to be. Absolutely. And let me ask you this. Do you feel that in your journey since starting your podcast to now that you that you embody it more, that maybe you're not ready to, you know, fully come out to the world as who you are, but that you're ever so slightly closer to that, as opposed to going back to 
you know, whatever it was that you were before, sort of that external validation story. Yeah, you see, see, for me, like, what, what, like a bit like what you were saying, like, I can't, like, there's been many a times on this journey, and I've been on this journey now with the universe and everything since 2017. So there's been lots of times where I'm like, right, you know, I have put all my positive energy into everything. And I have (laughs) used affirmations and journaled and meditated and visualized. And it's not working. And a part of me wants to go, sod it, that's it. Um, I'm just going to go back and do what I was before. But there is something inside of me that will not let me. It's like my eyes mm-hmm. have been opened now and there is no way I can go back. Just just mm-hmm. no way. So like this, there's this burning desire inside of me every morning that says, come on, you've got to get up and fight because this is right. But when when the whole world, when it feels like the whole world is against you and there's still this thing inside of me that says, no, this is right, this is right, and I'm still following it, that to me is a bigger faith than any anything that I've ever believed in. And it's, I think it's crazy. And and what I don't understand is a bit like yourself, you know, you were having a hard time with your brother or whatnot um, mm-hmm. when you found like the books of Eckhart Tolle and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And I, and I think after speaking with a lot of people who are also on this path and have faith in the universe that it's a, such a shame that you don't learn about all of this in a good state. <laughs> it's always in the middle of chaos and you're at your wits end and you're sort of rock bottom going, I need help, I need help. And then this beauty of source and everything universe drops into your lap and it just changes everything. Mm-hmm. Did yeah. you find, was that, was it true for you? Did you feel like everything changed? It absolutely changed. My timing was slightly different from the standpoint of I I was starting to have sort of a restless feeling in me. Um, nothing terrible had gone wrong. Um, and then I and then I got the Eckhart book, and then two weeks later, oh, everything. You know, my brother got sick, and everything changed with you know my family, with my parents, with everything, and. I remember understanding that 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 book was given to me like just slightly ahead of of the disaster. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's what the timing for me is like this beautiful timing, you know, where I, I just think to myself, if my brother, if what had happened with my brother had happened and I didn't have the power of now, I I think that I would I could see that it would have been just an an absolute breakdown. Do you know what I mean? It would have been because I was, I was speeding quickly towards the dissatisfaction in my career. My brother was sick that, you know, impacts your family. You know, my parents will never be the same. My dad ended up dying five months after my brother died. Mm -hmm. You know, there's so much that like, you can see how for me, it wasn't in the darkness that it was handed. It was kind of like, here's a book. And then it pushed me off the cliff. Yeah. I'm like reading the book on the way down. Like, okay, so I get to decide what things mean to me, you know? So, um, but, and what I love about, you know, about the, the, the teachers that we, that come into our lives when they do, you know, when the student is ready, the teacher appears is how, you know, they come in and then 
they linger with you, but you don't necessarily keep them at the forefront of your brain. You know, I was all power of now, all Eckhart for like a year, you know, 12 months of like Eckhart in my ears, reading them. But now I find I return to him when I'm really feeling very, very low. Like I go back to those foundational things when I'm at my lowest point, but I don't necessarily like listen to him all the time. Do you find that with your teachings? Yes, yes. So for, as we've spoken, uh, like kind of getting to know you, chat Louise Hay was the turning point for me. And th- this book, I don't know if I've explained this on the on the podcast before, but this book I ordered in um, in a drunken state, <laughs> and uh, I forgot that I'd ordered it. And it wasn't until moving out, and I was like, I'm just going to open this up because it looked like a little catalogue that we get in for Tupperware boxes. So I just opened it up, and there it was. And this book was like the pinnacle of everything changing my life. And sometimes when, like, like you know, I I had to read that book three or four times just to say, is this real? Is this is this really what she's saying? And then. Um, you know, like sort of 12 months ago by and, and I'd hit a, 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 you know, a roadblock and then I'd be like, right back to basics, get Louise Hay out, start again and go right back to the very beginning. And I find that it's kind of like my fail safe way of building myself back up again. Because mm-hmm. what I think happens when we discover a teacher like Eckhart or Louise Hayes, we, you immerse yourself in their teachings, in their words. And when you spend time filling your brain with people like Eckhart and Louise Hayes, you can't help but be transformed. Yeah. But it's not necessarily a sustainable level of learning from the standpoint of then you have to go out and apply it. I mean, that's the work that I do with people. I like to work with people for six weeks, 12 weeks max. And then I want them to like, go out, you know what I mean? Like go now do, you know, be this person, like do, because I think that's an important part of it, right? It's like the teacher, you fill your brain with the teachings and then you move away from it and then you you practice it. And then you're always going to need reminders. We're human. You know, we, we're never going to master this game. Um, (laughs) But if we have the tools, it becomes a lot easier to play the game for sure. And I feel like they all they all kind of interlink because I don't know about you, but when I started on this journey, like uh, because at the time I was going through kind of a, a breakdown, a mental breakdown, and I'd isolated myself from absolutely everybody. I wasn't speaking to a soul. And this is where my fear of social media come from, because I was kind of it, it, it was like I'd opened up a door. <laughs> that had all these little avenues and I wanted to go down each and every single one but as I chose one avenue it was like it the, the light would come on as the further down I went and then there would be another person like another mm-hmm. person on Facebook or another person on Instagram or another book or another um, motivational video or podcast and it was like have these always been there or have I just not been had my eyes open enough to see that this is everywhere. It's everywhere. (laughs) It's everywhere. Well, and I think it comes down to the frequency. So, you know, everything is energy. When we vibrate at a certain frequency, we then notice things at that frequency. So when you were in your lowest and your dark moments, 
you can only feel the frequency that is around you. And as you started to, you know, rise up, although I always say to people, it's not a hierarchy thing. You know, it's not that higher up is necessarily like better or superior. It's just, you know, it's just language around it. Um, then you got to, then, you know, you were at a different frequency. So then you saw all these other things. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, and I believe that, like we, we spoke a bit, a bit about this, but everything is energy, isn't it? And we've all got a vibration. It's like certain news. Uh, oh, sorry, did I say news? I meant TV programs. Uh, they have a, a different vibration to, say, a motivational video. And I, I like, I don't know how much of this I believed at first. It wasn't until I actually tried it for myself. So I'd put on like a music video and then put on a news channel and you can feel the difference in the frequency that's being emitted from the tv mm -hmm. even things oh, yeah. like that yeah and as you become more attuned to energy i say to people sometimes it you need to give yourself space for for finding your new equilibrium understanding the energy because sometimes i experience with people that things that they were able to kind of do and muddle through before they don't have the energy to do it anymore, you know? So it's sort of that interesting realization of yes, everything is energy, which is so empowering and, and allows for so much neutrality in your life, you know, as opposed to this is good and this is bad. Um, but what energy is, is some energies can be very heavy and it becomes something that you like I think to myself for 20 years, I got up every day. I was on a seven o'clock train into center city, Philadelphia at my desk, wearing my outfit, you know, doing my things. I don't, I don't know how I did it. No, <laughs> I don't know how I did it. No, it's, it's crazy. I think back to the jobs that I used to do. So I was, I was a manager in bars and restaurants. So I'd wow. start work at half past eight in the morning and I wouldn't leave till one o'clock the next morning and then do it all again, <laughs> seven days a week. And now I think, no way <laughs> no chance right and and the only thing that's different is that is the is the energy of it you know what i mean is understanding how it all works and how it impacts you and that's human design talks a lot about that it talks about you know how your energy system works and then how it you interact with other people yeah. um and sort of the the ways that that the ways to navigate that easier Yes, yeah, so I'm. Yes, yeah, so I can't wait to dive into this because this is going to be really interesting. So, um, Bridget, you wanted to do like a life coaching session mm -hmm. with me first, didn't you? Yes. And you're gonna you're gonna explain to the listeners how you go about that because from the life coaching that I do, this is this is another level. This is you actually getting permission to come into my head. Is it? Is that right? Yes. So as a result of um, all of my awareness, I understand what my gift is. And everyone has gifts. Some people have many gifts. Um, my gift is when people invite me into their brain and they have something that they want to shift or they just want to feel differently about something or they want to call something in, I can allow space. I can create a space for clarity or understanding or a lightness within the other person. So, so it's an energetic exchange of you inviting me into your brain. I say to people, we're going to get in your brain. We're going to take everything out and <laughs> we're going to like organize it. And you are going to feel 
a clarity or a lightness or an understanding around something that before felt more, um, felt less clear. Okay. Okay, brilliant. So how did you want to do this? Yes. Yeah, so I had asked if there was something that you would be willing to share with the audience that, you know, might feel a little bit personal, but something that you feel, you know, that you have some negative emotion around. Okay. So it is no secret. <laughs> I've just had to have a digital detox because of it. Um, but social media is a massive, massive, um, I don't want to say downfall because that's, but it's a bone of contention for me. I really struggle with it. What would you, so if you were to describe to me what your struggle is with it, what is it? Is it that you, it's, it requires too much of your attention. You, you don't enjoy the, the way it feels when you're interacting with it. Okay. So there's a few facets to it. Okay. So number one, how it all started was when I was like, I was just talking about the, when I had the breakdown, I physically, I couldn't go out the house. I wouldn't talk to people. And the thought of liking something on social media, I kind of blew it up into a massive thing and felt like everybody could see what I was liking. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah. So there was a massive fear initially. It started out of fear that people could see what I was liking and what I was doing. And then um, what, what, what would, but then what would you make that mean? Like if people could see it, what you were liking, then what's next? What was the next, they, they were judging you for it? Yeah. And it was around, it was around this time when I just found the universe. So a lot of the things that I was liking would be totally different as to what the person before said breakdown would have liked. Understood. Okay. So you were stepping into a new version of yourself that felt better, but you were concerned and you felt very vulnerable and conspicuous that people were that people so you told yourself a story that people who are on social media were noticing taking the time to notice what you were liking yeah and and then judging you for it exactly that yeah Yeah. that's terrible I understand why you didn't feel good but when you put it like that, when you just said what you said, and this is kind of like what we were saying about the way people say things and the way they land. Like when you just said that, I realized as if like people are going to be sat there thinking, what is she looking at? And having the time to go through it all. <laughs> but notice you can laugh and see it now. But in that moment, I mean, that was real for you. You yeah. were... And, and, and you were, you were, I'd say you're like stuck in that story. Um, so interesting. Now you can look back and see it, but at the time there's no one would have been able to, you would have never been able to see that for yourself. Of course. No, definitely not. Definitely not. So, So your, your anxiety or what would be the word you would use around social media, a a struggle? What is the feeling like? So, so again, so (laughs) because of my life, so because of my father being a controlling narcissist, um, you know, um, manipulator, um, I (laughs) find that social media can be quite manipulating. So I don't like its ethos. Can you say that last part again? 
So I don't like the ethos of social media. Well, right, because you've decided that the ethos of social media is that it's manipulative. Yes. Okay. 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 Um, you said there was a couple things. So it's the breakdown, the manipulate, the ethos. Yeah. And then-, and then there's the fact that as a child, I was never allowed to express myself safely. There would always be a um, kind of, you know, risk that if I was too loud or if I said the wrong thing, I'd be told off, smacked maybe. So oh, wow. the, the fear of expressing myself freely stems from childhood. And on social media, you feel that it is a place where you can show up and express yourself freely no okay I yeah I feel um judged and exposed okay okay judged and exposed okay so so with social media you say that you struggle with social media because you well first of all you had a very um impactful experience with social media when you're in a breakdown where you created it's almost like a paranoid story where everyone is following Sarah and looking at what she's looking at and um and judging her and then and then the third one is sort of sort of that judgment too it's sort of like you feel exposed and with which with exposure, there's always the potential for judgment. Yeah. But then additionally, there's sort of this overlay where Instagram is, or I'm saying Instagram, excuse me, social media is manipulative. Mm-hmm. So if you're saying that you like you you do, you struggle with social media, and you tell me that the story that you have around social media, and I call people, I tell people it's the story. I don't mean to diminish it. I just like to explain like say it in a way that like other people don't have this same thoughts about social media. So I call it like your story about social media is that as a baseline, it's manipulative. Yeah. So you could understand why maybe you wouldn't be as a non, you know, as someone who objects to manipulation, who has experienced a high level of manipulation uh, foundationally, you would be against, you know, you wouldn't be open to social media. Yeah. And then additionally, the vulnerability of the, like, and so when you do post on the manipulative social media, you are exposing yourself as open to, you're creating a vulnerability and you're creating a space for judgment. Yes. Yeah. Well, I understand why you don't have a, an easy <laughs> relationship with social media. So I'm not m- mad then. <laughs> no, because I mean, think about it. You, so uh, let me ask you some questions. When you talk about social media being, it, it reminds you of, of the energy of your childhood, of the manipulative, narcissistic, controlling father. If, if that's how you, if that's part of what you associate with social media, when you think like when you think about manipulation what does that feel like in your body feels like 
anger. I'm like, yeah, I'm pushing back against that no matter what or who it is. Yeah. And so if you consider social media, um, manipulative, you know, everything I think, I think of things as like the energy of things. It's like, you know, the energy of manipulation is, is woven into, you know, different areas of your life. But for social media, it's like, it sounds like that's one of the main energies that you experience from it or that you make it mean Yeah, is manipulative. So, so if you could, if you could feel differently about social media, like how would you want to feel about it? You feel like it's manipulative, but what would you want it to feel like? I'd want it to feel like, um, (laughs) how I intend for it to feel. So I, I want it to feel like nice and airy and light. And it's a way of raising people's awareness and, and, and helping to motivate, educate and inspire them rather than manipulate them into parting with their money for my services. <laughs> so you feel in your posts that you are, that the intention is ultimately to get people to pay you? Well, that's, that's kind of what it feels like. Yeah, I don't, I, you see, because I went on, I've been, I've paid twice now, twice, £3,000 I've paid to go on um, a digital marketing course. And one of the first things that I was taught was that um, to write a sales post, you've got to go for their pain points and you've got to use psychology to make them part with their money. And I was like, no. No, this isn't what I want to do. But that, because of that, I feel like people assume, well, not assume, that you should, that's what you should be doing. You should be making people feel so um, down about themselves that they have to spend their money with you. That's how it made me feel. When you, and I feel this, I cannot, I also have the same, I, I, I cannot. I cannot easily post things like that where I'm asking people to like hire me because what I know is that the people who want to work with me will, will find me. Do you know what I mean? Like I do sort of believe that, but you have, um, so, so what you want to make it mean is that, that you want to make it feel nice and airy and that you're raising people's awareness, but because, and just FYI, like it can mean that if you want it to, Notice the reason that you're making it mean something different is that you took this social media marketing course. And so you, it's like you're doing something that feels not good to you. And so at all layered on the fact that you already think that Instagram is, is that part of the reason why you feel social media is manipulative is because of these classes you took? Yeah. Yeah. Part of it. That's, that's where it really sucked because Obviously, when I trained to become a life coach, I did not know that you needed a digital marketing degree to be successful. <laughs> I, I, I honestly thought that, you know, you'd build the, 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 the course and people would come. I didn't realize that I'd have to be on Facebook every single day 
<laughs> doing all of these things. So that's why I took the lessons because I've, I'm not very tech savvy anyway. I didn't grow up around these, these bits of technology. So for me, it's alien. It's very alien. And it's a skill that I've had to learn. Um, so yeah, like, I think that's the where the realization of the of the manipulation come from is that oh my god I've got to talk about people's problems all the time. Do you feel that from other people's Instagram posts too? Some, but I have done a massive audit of my social media and I don't follow anybody who is that way inclined anymore. Mm-hmm. Who is who is leading with? guess what's wrong with you and here's how I can fix it. Yeah. So then are you, can you imagine a Sarah where you interact with social media from the standpoint of that you're, that you're the reason that you're there is to your main intention is to raise people's awareness. And then with sort of the secondary intention of, people then hiring you for your services because in your posts you are raising people's awareness with the posts right yeah but then you're also adding that layer of what would you call it what would the language be you use what would language but what do you mean the salesy part of it right yeah yeah so that's yeah so I (laughs) even that feels awkward so I write out a lovely post and then I put at the end if you'd like to come in (laughs) and so yeah it does feel salesy but it doesn't feel as manipulative because I haven't gone in and said right you are ill because of xyz you need to come and see me because (laughs) do you know it's it's a weird one so you so your social media posts now are raising people's awareness with an ending line of and you know if you want to work with me contact me yes yeah is that different from what you have been doing yes very much so what were you doing before that just just giving out information I wasn't asking for the business at all. I was just like, you know, doing a lovely little post and then leaving it at that. (laughs) Is the difference between the post literally at the end you put, like, is is the, is the, you know, the nice and airy message of raising people's awareness in your post, is that, is that detail the same? And now you've just added this line and that line in and of itself has created, like, now you feel like you're adding to the manipulation of Instagram. I keep saying Instagram. I'm sorry. Social media. <laughs> sorry, Instagram. I don't I don't mean, to... Sorry, Instagram. I don't mean to pick on you. <laughs> I do quite like Instagram. It's Facebook. Um, <laughs> uh, well, so yeah, this time, because I've reinvented myself so many times because of the social media aspects, right? Because I just, I feel like I'm like, and I'm being really vulnerable and really, really honest here. So I feel like I'm like, I'm this little, I'm this little superhero. And I'm like, yeah, I've got all these tools and I want to help everyone. But I haven't got the rocket to go where I need to go. <laughs> so I'm just stuck on the edge of the cliff. Like, I can't go and help people. So, um, so how I used to do it was kind of like write these massive, long, vulnerable posts telling everybody about my life. Mm. And then 
if you uh, then like a bit like I do now if you'd like to work with me then please do because I tried to be totally different to what everybody else was doing does that make sense yeah and did you enjoy when you did it that way yes and no like have I have little peaks and troughs. Like sometimes I really love social media and I'm like, yeah, yeah, let's do all these posts. And then other times I'm like, I don't even want to look at the app. I don't, I don't want to look at it. <laughs> but if, if, if your intention with social media is to raise people's awareness, if, if, if you could only make it mean that, would you feel less, vulnerable to judgment would you feel less manipulating yeah okay ah well good news <laughs> yeah uh, yeah go on you get to decide what social media is to you <laughs> you get to decide and i say this to people all of the time that sometimes what we want something to mean other people might not validate that. You might not have any of your business coaches saying that, you know, that's, you know, that, that, that you can have a relationship with social media that doesn't feel manipulative. But what I know is that the reason why you feel the way you do about social media is because of what you're making it mean. And what you're making it mean is based on what other people are telling you it's supposed to mean. And what if you experimented with not making it mean that yeah <laughs> so now, you, I, now I, you said it sounds so easy <laughs> well but that it's not easy it's more like the key to things that that trip us up the the, the key to things that don't feel good in our life is to acknowledge what it is that we're making it mean and I'm not saying you're wrong about social media, I, I, you know, I, I, but what I'm saying is if your story around social media is that it is, um, it is a place where you're opening yourself, where basically it's a place of manipulation and a place where you're opening yourself up to judgment, that doesn't feel good. You know what I mean? You can't, I don't know how anybody could navigate something that they make mean that. Yeah. and navigate it with any kind of real lightness. So again, this is like, this is more the work that I do. It's like a clarity, like notice what you're making it mean. And is yeah. it, and it meet, you know, can you make it mean something different? And, um, and just creating the space for even allowing that to be possible. You know, you might still, I'll talk to you in a couple of weeks and you'll be like, Oh, I'm still, you know, I think social media is manipulative and I feel vulnerable. You know what I mean? But it's like, but now you see something that you didn't see before. Yeah. It's my perspective. It's right. how I'm choosing to see it. And I kind of answered my own question because you, you said, is that what you're seeing? And I said, no, because I've deleted those people. I've done an audit of my social media and I've deleted those people and I don't see it. Yeah. So this is all about me. Right. <laughs> and notice, so, you know, we can tell ourselves stories as people who are in healing, you know, healing modalities that if we're not on social media, that people won't find us. If we're not in social media, we're not going to get clients. And, and I, 
I tr- choose to not believe that. I mean, I show up on social media in a certain way, but what I also know is that if people want to find you, they will find you. And I know, and I think an exercise that's really important, and it sounds like you're kind of doing this on social media already, is curate your social media to be the people like you or the people who, you know, the the Reiki life coach instructors like you who are really successful or who are, you know, showing up in a way that you, that feels good to you and have the result that you want. I think for people like me and you who are, who are dealing in energy and, and healing and spirituality, um, it's not very mainstream. And so we have to seek and search, search out the people who who are more like us or who we feel mirror us and, it, and and to expand us. Because if you're looking at the world that you were in in 2017 to expand you into the person you want to be, if I'm looking at the, the world that I was in up until you know March of 2020 to expand to who I am, you can see it, it, it doesn't match up. Yeah. It's impossible. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I, I I feel like I, I needed this because I've kind of been so like digging my heels in, so set in my ways. And exactly what you said, I've been turning social media into my childhood. So that's why I don't want to go in there mm-hmm. because it's just triggering me is to say, well, this just feels like my dad is around me the whole time. Oh, wow. But that's because of my perspective because I've, created that I created that in that traumatic time when I was going through what I was going through that kept me safe but I'm not there anymore I don't need to be safe wow (laughs) and that is what I do (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness yeah and it is, it's just the way, like you said in our initial chat, where you said about your gifts and it's just asking the questions. Mm-hmm. That is spot on. Like there's nothing even massive there. Now that we've had this conversation, it's like, just change, just change perspective. And when I asked you, when when you think of manipulation, the energy of manipulation, which of course your dad is the main manipulative energy that probably you conjure, but you know, you feel it in other ways. I said, how do you feel? And you said, I just want to push back. And so notice that you, in your relationship with social media, you said, sometimes I'm really good with it. And other times, you know, it's like that pushing back energy. And really what I say to people is like, we are made up of patterns and belief systems and habits that a lot of them serve us. And so they don't, you know, there doesn't need to be any time and attention spent on them. But the ones that you don't like, your relationship with social media, that's a pattern that is maybe doesn't feel as good. And so, again, you, some people have one conversation and and it shifts them forever. But again, a couple of weeks from now, you might be back in it and again, and you'll be like, I can't believe I'm back here again. It's that, it's that movement in and out of, you know what I mean, of the old pattern, if you're trying to create a new relationship with social media. And the way that you want to feel about social media is that it is, you want it to feel nice and airy and that you are raising people's awareness. And sometimes we can't go from 
thinking something's manipulative and, you know, creating a space for us to be judged to feeling like it's nice and airy and that, you know, we want to raise people's awareness. But what is so important is that you know that, you know how you want it to feel. It doesn't feel that way right now, but you know how you want, like, you know, kind of why now, and then you know how you want it to feel. And it's sort of that formula. It's like, okay, now, now you're a step closer to that for sure. Yeah. And I feel like I want to go and write some affirmations saying like social media is my safe space. or or maybe not go to that extreme straight away just start off small by saying social media is a chance for me to grow yeah and then just using that as a stepping stone to become and like you know keeping that self-awareness kind of setting an insecurity within myself so if I do start feeling like oh it's becoming manipulating and 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 manipulating and I need to push it away that's an insecurity for me to say at what's what's really going on here what else is it because we've changed our perspective now so there's got to be something underlying that's making you feel that way right and it's the skill of managing your mind which is what Brooke taught me it is noticing what you're thinking and because a lot of times with something like manipulation I would think you that's why I asked how it feels in your body it's like you a lot of times people feel that in their body first, like I will hold my breath or I will like tense in my body and I'll realize it in my body first, like, oh, I'm holding my breath. It's almost like you have to back into like, what am I thinking right now? Mm-hmm. Um, but it is really a very, a very important skill because if you can create an awareness of what you're thinking in the moments when you're feeling, you know, the most activated, um, it just create it, it creates like a um an interruption yeah. in, in the very well practiced you know belief systems thoughts that we have that are just programs exactly and it's like it's not what we were saying in our initial chat like these programs ultim- like you know predominantly they were to keep us safe but for mm-hmm. that a period of time they're not keeping us safe now it's time to challenge them a little bit and push back and right you know, and you were saying that I said, "How do you want social media to feel?" And you said you want it to feel nice and airy, and then you want to raise people's awareness. And I think that that is such a wonderful intention to set for your social media presence. That you know you can help people if people want your help. It's more of creating an awareness to see if people even want that. I mean, I have a couple ways I interact with social media, and. And my intention is always to, you know, to give it to people straight. Like, and sometimes I think about the end user or the person who, you know, you know, my old life reading what I'm writing now. And I'm kind of like, you know what? I hope that they benefit from this because really my intention is pure. It's like, if you have an issue that you want to be different, I can tell you how to make it different, but that does, but you're the person that has to ultimately, you know, your relationship with social media, I can't really impact that. Um, but I think that, I think that that can create, I think that lessens the vulnerability sometimes when you're showing up because you're like, what is my intention? And then it's like for people to feel better. Yeah. My whole intention. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) I'm 
going to like write it down and put it on the mirror so that every time I look in the mirror, that's like, so my, my intention with social media is to raise people's awareness. And yeah. then that way, it doesn't matter who's manipulating who because it doesn't affect me because I'm not worried about it. I'm not open to being manipulated. <laughs> so... And notice the people who are in your social media, like you were talking about, curate your social media to reflect what you want social media to feel like. I always laugh because you hear so, I don't mean to laugh, but one of the things I notice is that you you hear so many negative things about social media and how it creates so much pain in people's lives and how they use it as a reason to be mean to themselves and tell themselves they're not good enough. And my social media is all aspirational. My social media is all... Like you've got this, manage your mind, um, tips, you know, tricks, and it is the most beautiful space in my phone. Um, but that is, that's what I've made it. And, um, I hear people talk about dating apps sometimes. And I think the advice is always the same. And I always wonder, um, like I'm interested to have a client who uses a dating app. Like it really is your intention that will create your result. Exactly. Because what you're giving out is what you receive back. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> That's it's a massive, massive light bulbs. Just come on. <laughs> wow. Thank you for that. Thank you yeah. for that. You're welcome. I, this is my, I could do this all day. I want people just to tell me all of their things so that I can tell them back to them. And in the telling back to them, they're like, yeah. it's crazy isn't it (laughs) okay so now you wanted to go on to the what is it was it called the the human human design. So I wanted to, um, so one of the things that I, I incorporate with in my client work, if they're open to it, not everybody does is a system called human design and human design. What it's a channeled system by a gentleman called Ra Aruhu. And he downloaded it over a series of weeks, I believe, um, back in 1987. And it is a combination of modalities. It's the I Ching, astrology, Kabbalah, physics, the chakra systems and genetics. And the way I describe it to people, it's, um, it's an experiment. It's, it's a system of energy and it, it, it gives you like tips and tricks to help you again, feel better in the way that you're navigating your life. And so I ran your human design chart and I'm going to show you, oh, can you share your, can I uh, share my screen so I could just show you something while we're yeah. talking? Even though I know yeah, people cool. won't be able to see it. Um, what I'm pulling up is um, what's called the body graph. Okay. And body graph is the fundamental in human design. Okay, here we go. Perfect. Okay, this will be helpful because then you can look at. Oh my God, wow. This is your energetic system. And you can see kind of down the middle, um, kind of follows the chakras, although it's not, there's obviously other parts to it. Um, This is amazing. Yeah. So this is the energetic, this is what the energetic system tells me about Sarah based on your, it's your time of birth, location of birth, date. um, And those details are important. So 
there's a lot to this chart. There's obviously this, I'm used to looking at it, but I know when, when I first looked at it, I thought, what the heck is this? We are going to go into a very sort of the fundamental basics of human design, which is your strategy and authority, your type, your strategy, authority. And I want to tell you a little bit about your profile and a little bit about your incarnation cross, but we could literally talk for a month about all of the things in your chart and still have things to talk about. Wow. So you are a manifesting generator and a manifesting generator is a combination of two of the other energy types in human design, which is the generator and the manifester and the manifesting generator has, um, you're about 32% of the population. So you are, um, you know, there's, there's 32% of the world that's, that's similar to you. And the thing about the manifesting generator is you have a lot of energy and you have the ability to initiate things. And those are your energetic gifts that, for example, someone like me doesn't have. I don't have the same energetic gifts as you. Manifesting generators like to be immersed in many things. You have a unique ability to keep pace everywhere. And you can work and kind of live in your own pace. Um, you might often find it hard to understand why others are so slow. <laughs> yep. And you don't really like to go through life. You like to run through life. So you like to do as much as possible. And sometimes you don't even understand like why you're doing it. It's more like a drive forward. Yeah. Uh, and the key for the manifesting generator, as long as you are interested in what you're doing, you can do as many things as you like and sometimes do them simultaneously. So you have an ability to do many things at a time. But if any of those things are draining to you, if any of those things are um, like, uh-uh, then, then you can get yourself into trouble. <laughs> um, you, when you feel aligned, so when you're, when you're moving in alignment, you will feel satisfaction and peace. And when you are unaligned, you will feel frustrated or angry. And so those are sort of your keynotes. So when, when you feel frustrated or when you feel angry, those are when you can like check in with yourself, you know, am I, am I out of alignment? So qualities of the manifesting generator are they move faster than any other of the sacral beings. Cool. Um, the sacral is this red uh, box down here. Yours is defined. Mine is not. And that just means that you get up every day and you can go. You have a life force energy inside of you. It's important for you to use your energy during the day. A manifesting, an idle manifesting generator is probably not, um, you know, your sleep will be impacted. Like the quality of your life will be impacted. You're here to really participate in your life and then at night rest and then get up the next day and do it all over again. Um, you are steady. You have a steady and sustainable energy. You are responsive, persistent, consistent, and impatient <laughs> yeah. of the manifesting generator. And another thing about manifesting generators is that they often can find shortcuts to doing things. So they can do a lot of things and then they find this shortcut. And um, it's important that you develop mastery in your area of interest and, and where, or where you're not bored. Like what you, again, what you're focusing your time on has to be something that interests you or it will be, you know, it won't be, you'll be very unaligned. You'll be very angry and frustrated all the time. <laughs> um, you can have a restlessness, a fidgetiness, 
uh, of ready to engage at a moment's notice. Um, you like to take on new territory often and take on new projects. And you prefer freedom and flexibility in your job. So you like to be doing, but you don't necessarily want to be told what to do or how to do it. And that is aligned for you. Like I talk to people who that in and of itself makes them, they think there's something wrong with them. The fact that they like to move from thing to thing, to thing, to thing, to thing, that, you know, they like to initiate into something and get something going and then leave. Like, you know, they can't stick with something. It's like, that's what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to be moving from thing to thing to thing. That is like part of how you are moving through the world in alignment. Wow. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. How does that resonate so far? Yeah. Big time. Like that is me. (laughs) Okay. So the strategy of the manifesting generator strategy is the tool that allows you to move through your life to experience more peace and satisfaction. So all the different energy types have a different um, strategy. And your strategy is sort of multi-phased. Um, but once you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk through it and, and it'll be clear, I think. So the first thing about the manifesting generator is to respond to something outside of yourself. So you, you, you hear something, you, you see the Louise Hayes book, you think, uh-huh. You think, yes, it, it, it lights you up in your body, your sacral. It's a yes. And um, it needs to come from outside of you. So this can be frustrating because sometimes we don't want to have to wait for sort of that. You know, we talk about external validation isn't good, but the external response, the external to respond to is important for your energy type. So you respond to something outside of you and like when you ordered the Louise, the Louise Hayes book drunk, there was something that you were responding to outside of you, I'm sure. And so you, you find something and it's a yes, then it would be um, an important use of time for you to then envision. So once the external opportunity or the external, you know, thing you're responding to appears, um, Try in your imagination to visualize the outcome before taking action. This is very helpful for the manifesting generator. So you visualize it. So you you respond to something, it's yes, and then you visualize it. And the visualization is important because that will solidify sort of that yes or no, is this lighting me up or not? Um, in the moment, you know, you might think, oh yes, this lights me up. And then when you're thinking about it and envisioning it, you get a different response in your body. It's like, eh, maybe not. Um, it's, it's to get that clear yes or no, like, yes. Then manifesting generators need to inform people. So what that means is you should inform the people around you who will be impacted by your actions. And just telling them what to expect, just letting them know, saying, you know, this is what I'm doing. And it, it, it helps to maintain relationships and lessen resistance to your power and creative energy if you just tell people. Informing doesn't mean that you have to stop or change. You're just letting people know what's happening. And it, it's like, you're just it, it, literally letting them know. You're not asking for their permission. You're not saying, oh, what do you think? You're just informing them. And then you can initiate. 
And when you respond to something outside of you that feels like a yes, you envision it in your brain and it still feels like a yes. And then you tell people what you're doing that will create a much more aligned um, external experience for you. So, because at the moment, the visualization is me, definitely. That's what I've been doing this weekend. But I ask people, I go, do you think this is a good idea? Do you think that? And then I let their judgment and their views cloud my mind. And that can halt me at times. Well, and you have this open, open head. So I understand why you are prone to, um, you know, letting other people's ideas and considering other people's ideas. Um, I will send you this report too when we're, when, after we're done with this, um, with our, with our chat, but, um, again, this is just, it's a lot of information at first, but for, for you, if you can, the key for the sacral beings is to connect to that yes or no inside of your body. Our brains are not here to make decisions. We're here to make decisions through our authority that for most people, unfortunately not for me, but for most people is in their body. And for you, it is that sacral. Is it like a yes or a no? Um, so, so your strategy is to respond and vision, inform and initiate. So I'm just curious, do you, have you had experiences in your life where you've decided you were going to do something and you t- told people you were going to do it and didn't ask their opinion? Or are you so trained? Have you trained yourself so much that you are asking opinions? Yeah. Always asking opinions. Okay. So I always think about small things like that people can do differently again, just to experiment with, see how it feels. And maybe the next time you are going through this process or you're thinking of, you're thinking of sharing with someone with the intention of getting their opinion you can remember our conversation and think, what if I'm just informing them of what I'm doing? What would that feel like? And experiment with informing them, like I'm doing this, or even I'm thinking of doing this. And, 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 and if they give their opinion, just sort of notice, like, what if I'm not supposed to be taking any of this in, you know, how that can shift. Yeah. So, so that's your strategy. So your authority is like I was saying before, you know, we're not here to make decisions with our mind. We're here to make decisions with our authority and your authority is your sacral authority. So this red box here is, is constantly communicating with you about, you know, what lights you up, what doesn't light you up. It it's driving your life force energy. It's a really important uh, mechanism inside of you. And, um, the sacral is, so the sacral authority is your gut instinct. The sacral response is an embodied energetic movement towards or away whatever life puts in front of you. It is not intellectual, logical, or even negotiable. It's your body's way of meeting what is. So as you can imagine, it can be quite challenging for your mind to accept that like your body is saying yes, but your mind is saying no. But the trick is to is to start like again experiment with trusting that experiment with 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 listening to your with following your sacral tuning into it what says yes and what says no even if you're still moving about your day the same way maybe when you go to do something you'll notice that it's an uh-uh and you do it anyway but you 
you know what I mean? It's like this experiment of folding into, well, what if this was true? Yeah. And the key for manifesting generators is yes or no questions. So if people want to, like I'm saying to you, does this resonate with you? Yes or no. The yes or no questions are are helpful because you can feel the yes or no with inside of you, as opposed to like, you know, if someone was trying to make a plan with you, I would say they should say, do you want to you know, meet for coffee? Yes or no? Do you, would you rather meet for dinner? You know, as opposed to what do you want to do? That isn't necessarily as easy for you to answer. It's, it's easier for you to answer things that you can respond to with yes or no. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, okay. So a sacral response is a direct response to a question coming from outside of your aura. So like I said, you are responding to your life. What lights you up? What doesn't light you up? What is a yes? And what is a no? And, um, it's, Sometimes, and we talked about this with with your Louise Louise Hayes books. It's like sometimes it actually feels like a pull toward you, or, or it's pulling you toward it. That there's something that is like you can't quite understand, but there's something pulling you, and that is also your sacral. Um, it's often accompanied by guttural sounds like uh huh and uh uh, or you might say mm mm or mm hmm. Um, do you find that you make those sounds naturally? Yeah, I yeah, along them lines, yeah. Not like before we go, uh yeah. Like yeah. Okay. I suppose I do. Well, and so do that more. Like do more mm-hmm and mm-mm if it if it resonates with you. It's a like so right now, this is a lot of new information. It's like connecting yourself to it. It's like, well, how do you connect to the sacral? It's like, well, some people already do those things like, mm-hmm, or you might think it in your mind, like, uh-huh, or no, or yeah. Like you might have ways that it's already communicating with you, but you don't know what it is because you didn't know about human design before this. And the sacral always operates in the present moment. So you, you're not the type of person that can think, well, actually in the moment, if someone says to you, do you want to meet for coffee? It's like, uh-huh, or uh-uh. Um, if someone says, do you want to meet for coffee? at three o'clock, you know what I mean? Like you can answer in that moment, but like when three o'clock rolls around, you know, it's much more, the sequel's much more um, powerful in the present, in the exact present moment, as you're listening to it in the exact present moment. Um, Okay. So that is your, your manifesting generator with respond, envision, inform and initiate as your, as your strategy. Your authority is your sacral, that yes or no. And now we're going to talk about your profile. So your profile is kind of how we learn and move through our lives. And they're kind of the archetypes of our personality and can often give us clues to what we're here to do in life. And you are a, they're numbers. So you're a three, five, and that is the martyr heretic. So I am also a three, but I'm a three on my unconscious side, which is slightly different. But the three is lives a life of trial and error. They move through things and it is, you're here to experiment and experience life. For someone with a three, and again, I have this too, it's not enough to tell them, to tell you, you have to experience it for yourself so you understand what works and what doesn't work. And that is 
part of how you're designed to move through this human experience. So people with threes can often say, oh, I did a lot of things. I went down a lot of wrong roads or, you know, I, 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 you know, I didn't, I had a lot of bumps moving around and that's literally how you're supposed to experience this life. Is oh, God. <laughs> um, it's a lot about breaking, making, making bonds and breaking bonds. Um, it, it, we're really in a trial and error phase just throughout our life, seeing what works, what doesn't work. Um, and, and then through that, um, we can guide other people. You know what I mean? We know, you know, what doesn't work. And so you can share with other people what doesn't work. Um, you, so if we learn by trial and error, what that might sound negative. Um, it means you're very resilient and you can morph and change rather easy, easily. And the more you lean into this energy, the more powerful it becomes. So whilst you know, we don't grow up in a society where people where people champion the trial and error, right? They think it's, you know, we're taught like only when you succeed at something, is that something that's valuable? But for people like me and you, it is through the trial and error that we get to experience the life the way that we're supposed to. And then in, in turn show up for other people who, um, you know, who can benefit from what we know. Wow. How does that resonate? Or yeah. Does yeah, yeah, it does. Like, because that's, I thought it was, I thought it was a downfall of mine. <laughs> that way that I bounce from thing to thing and phase to phase. But maybe I'm just meant to collect all this evidence and share it with everyone. <laughs> and as the manifesting generator, you are here to, you've moved through a lot of things, right? Like you can have a lot of things that you're doing and, and, but when it doesn't let you up anymore, it's like, you're meant to disregard it. You know, if you stuck with something that, that didn't let you up forever, it would be, you know, you would be, you would have created the, your own literal, like hell on earth. You know what I mean? Like you're, cause you're able to do it, but it doesn't suit you. And, um, so good. Okay. So you're also a fifth line. So the fifth line is a heretic. And you are the warriors and the guides. I'm not a five. So I don't, I don't have this energy, but I know a lot of fives and I think they're amazing. So you play the role of someone who was able to step in from outside the solution and to offer a solution that no one has considered. Wow. You, um, you're often, five lines are often projected onto by others and people will project on you the role of hero. So they will, they will put you in this role and, um, but really you're here, you're, you're not anyone's here. You're really here to know yourself deeply. Um, so it's not in line for you to commit to energy, to solving problems that are outside of your integrity. So, you know, someone could think of you as the hero that could save them from, you know, from everything. And it's like, that's not really your role. Mm-hmm. Um, There's a tendency to project outward rather than inward. So the lesson here is to remember to hold space for introspection as a means of grounding yourself into the world. So you are meant to be introspective and like introspective and outrospective, but, but sometimes with the heretic, you can get pulled into that like external and really, it's really important for you to also be introspective in order, again, for you to show up in the world 
in a way that is aligned. Um, if you, ha- if you're feeling uncomfortable with the hero role that you've been cast in, cast into, um, it's good to take a step back and reflect. Are people you know, asking me to be something that I can't be, or do they see something in me that I can't see? Right. So that's also you know, one of the things that like people can reflect what you, you know, you, what you are here for, you know what I mean? What you can, the ways that you can show up. So that's one of the nice questions to ask. Um, the key word for you is optimistic. Uh, you're not able to linger in cycles of failure for very long. You perceive them in a positive way. Uh, you create the impression of a very carefree and cheerful person. Um, and you have these qualities that help you understand, um, withstand the blows, but also um, support others. Your inexhaustible positive charge energies people energizes people around you, forcing them to forget their problems. Um, or at least make them easier to perceive them. One of the setbacks of the heretic is that um, you don't allow yourself to tune to the negative. And that can be, you know, that can, there, you know, life is positive and negative. And you were saying earlier in our call, or was it before our call? Forgive me, I, I don't remember. But you were saying how you were doing all of the positive mantras and you're, you know, it's the, you know, you're looking at the positivity and it's not working. And that is very five line. It's like, you know, that's, there's, that, that by removing the negative, um, like you're inclined, you're inclined to be that way, is my point. Um, you can per- be perceived as an unconditional authority, even though there are no objective reasons for that. And other people often turn to you with their problems, believing that no one can, um, except you can solve them. Have you had those experiences? Yeah. Okay. Very okay. much so growing up, I was the one who had all the answers. <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> interesting. Interesting. And do you feel that at all in your adult life? Yes. Yeah, okay. maybe not so much now, but definitely my career choice. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Because the the one line, the trial and error, or excuse me, the three line, the trial and error is, um, you you're kind of bumping around. That's more conscious. That's on your conscious side, and the five line is more unconscious. So it might not be as obvious to you. Um, but I wonder if I were to ask people around you, if I were to say, "Oh, do you look for Sarah for advice, or do you feel like she?" you might be surprised to learn that people do, you know, kind of, even though you don't necessarily, you might not be as in tune to it. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I'm going to have to look out for that. <laughs> so, so what I think is helpful, even just with these things, it's like, if, if you, if you understand how your energy works, if you understand how you're supposed to make decisions, and then you understand that the bumping around is, you know, is part of your journey, that that hero role is also part of your journey, that you are here to help people and to lift people up, but also within, you know, within the scope of what is comfortable for you. Yeah. That feels um, like good information to have. Yeah. And it kind of like, for me, like as you're talking, it's kind of giving me a little bit of a boost of confidence because not only am I now I'm not thinking 
oh, um, you know, I've, I should be consistent, I should be this, I should be that. I'm thinking, yeah, it is It is my, you know, my right to move around, bounce around and learn as much as I can and help other people. But at the same time, it's like, am I playing to my natural gifts and I don't even realise that I'm doing it? Like, am I on the right path? Like, this podcast because it has been the catalyst for so many things starting in my life I'm thinking should I be here should I be this beacon who is helping other people um just by sharing my own story because I think as a young girl I went through so much trauma Mm -hmm. and now here's my reason for it right you it's like I think that you want to show up in your podcast and share your story with the intention of raising people's awareness and and giving people tools. But then there's the worthiness. Well, who am I to do that? Yeah. Yeah. And that makes, and that makes sense. I mean, that's, that's, but, but if you know that energetically it's aligned for you to, you know, to share and to, and to show up in the world in that way, and nothing else is outside of you is different, but you you move through it differently. You know what I mean? You you interact with it differently. Yeah. I think that is can be very empowering. So then how did you then from doing this on yourself, how did you realize what your gifts were? So my human design is, um, I am a mental projector. So I am completely open. Um, here, I'll show you my chart so you can just see how different they all look. Um, I am completely open from the throat down. So I have, um, this is me. Oh, wow. So I have these three defined and then all of this is open. And where you are open, the way I describe it to people is where you are, can be very vulnerable to the shadow sides of the open centers. And I wanted to just quickly, I'm not going to go through all of your centers um, because that it does, you know, there's nine of them, but I wanted to show you. So these are your open centers, right? One, two, and where the centers are open, there's a little more vulnerability to um, again, to that like shadow, like the lower expression, or they call it the not self in human design. And so you have the head un- completely undefined, completely open. So notice there's no lines. So this is a completely, completely open and you have a completely open root. This is your root. So these are the two pressure centers. You have pressure in the head and pressure in the root. That's how you're, so I imagine that that can be, that can show up in your life. And then over here is your solar plexus. And this is, this is emotions. And so I just wanted to go through with you the not self of your open centers so you can contemplate that. Like, what if the reason why I, you know, go for people's opinions is because of my open head? You know what I mean? Like, and and it just allows you to then maybe have a different experience when you're asking for people's opinions. You know what I mean? Just knowing that. So the open head, the, the head center up here is about inspiration and ideas. And in undefined, there's a pressure to figure out things and you're influenced by ideas of others. And the way that you navigate that is, again, to use your strategy and authority. So you, yes, you could be open to other people's opinions, but 
what does your sacral say? You know what I mean? Yes or no. Um, but just to know that you are prone to that because that's just your energetic makeup. Um, down here, the root center is about, um, the root center is about adrenaline pressure and stress. <laughs> yeah. I have an undefined root too. So the undefined root is you're under pressure to do things. Uh, you might even have a never ending to do list that you always maintain. Um, and you tell yourself when everything is done, you will be free. Um, you're so I, I have this and the example I use is the laundry. So I used to always tell myself, like, if I could just get the laundry all done and put away, then I would be, then I could like relax. You know what I mean? And so when I realized I had an open route, I, I gave myself permission to understand that like the laundry is never going to be done. There's always going to be dirty laundry. We're always going to have, you're always going to have your to-do list. There's always going to be things to do. And that telling yourself, so the not self of the root center is, am I always in a hurry to get things done? Yeah. And am I allowing pressure to dictate how I live in my life? Yeah. And if, if so, like, again, you can experiment with maybe like, what if I allow that to, you know, what if I don't tell myself I need to get all these things done and then I can do this. You know what I mean? It's, it's, there's a lot of, a lot of experimenting going on in human design. Yeah. And then your, um, your open solar plexus is emotions and creativity. It's the energy for romance, poetry, seduction, war, intimacy, marriage, uh, nature, spirit, abundance, and imagination. And when you are undefined, you are an emotional empath. So you can feel other people's emotions. Yeah. Um, you may avoid truth and conflict because it's hard to feel strong emotions, especially when they're negative. And so the key is to be a screen, not a sponge. Um, the interesting things, the interesting part about the open center, so your head center, your root center, and your emotional center, is that when you are around people who have them defined, you amplify their energy. So you have an emotional, you have an open solar plexus, which means when you are around other people who are having feelings and emotions, you have the ability to not only feel what they're feeling, but to magnif to amplify the feeling with inside of you. And so I have this in my house, like with my husband, he is a defined um, solar plexus and really took me a long time to unhook myself from the reality that when he, when I was with him, that like that maybe the, like what I was feeling was actually just an amplification of what he's feeling. Now he isn't feeling it even as strongly as I'm feeling it. Oh my God. So keep that in mind. You know what I mean? That you are, um, that you, know, you, you have a, you are open at the top and you're open at the bottom and you're open emotionally. But the good news is you're defined in all of these other ways. And when I send you the chart, um, when I send you the write up, you can read about it. And it's, it's, there's so much like gold there. I mean, even just looking here, you have, um, you know, you have a defined throat, which means that you are here to talk, you know, that you have a voice and you have something to say and that it's aligned for you to do that. Um, this is the, you have a defined Ajna. So while you may be open to other people's, um, thoughts, what you know to be true is probably very hard for people to shake you from. 
that when you know something, you know it. Yeah. You're not open to other people influencing you in that way. And that's, I think, awesome. I mean, I think that's so amazing. Um, You have a defined spleen, which means that you are, um, let me look at my, uh, spleen is about time and intuition. And you have a defined spleen, which means you have a defined way of receiving your intuition, quite likely. Uh, You probably have a strong immunity. Yeah. Um, the thing about these, the defined spleen though, is if you, sometimes you don't realize that you're sick maybe until it's a little bit late in the process of sick. So keeping that in mind, um, you have a defined G center, which is about love and identity and direction. It's what you're here to do. And with your defined G, you have a fixed sense of direction and a sense of self, um, who you are, um, and your why, like you, you, when you are tuned into that, you know what that is. And you're, and the point and being defined means you're not easily influenced by others around you in that, in that area. And I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. Oh my God. Um, do you, so I wanted to share your incarnation cross. Is that something that we have time yeah. to do? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I'd love to know about the, what is it? The incarnation graph. It's your incarnation cross. So oh, cross, in human cross. design, uh, there's many, you know, many phrase words and phrases. Um, but the incarnation cross is, it kind of gives you insight into, um, into they call it the general life theme energy that you naturally carry in this human experience that then allows you to align to your purpose and you know into kind of like why you're here amazing let's let's do that then incarnation cross is something i like to go over with my clients because it feels i don't know it feels kind of fun and um so many people that i work with are you know, they're looking to understand themselves more and this can give you more of a, of a clue. And again, with anything, take what resonates and leave what doesn't. This isn't, this isn't like a hard and fast, this is who you are. This is just what, you know, what the chart says. So you have the right angle cross of the sleeping Phoenix, which I think sounds, wow. So your energy has a great need to be busy. You have a channel that is a main line of energy from the sacral center, which is your life force energy to the throat center, which is about talking and manifesting. And it's about doing it, whatever it is. Beware not to get lost in your business and taken away from what's important to your soul. Make sure you are doing things that are your passion and make your heart sing. Follow your strategy and, you know, your strategy and authority to stay focused and grounded. You are here to be very productive and to draw secure relationships. Ultimately, you accomplish this goal by listening to your soul, not just by doing things. And they come up with this going through four gates in your human design, which is the lines in the body graph that I was saying like you didn't have in your head. And each of them kind of have a different meaning. And this first one is what your gift is. And that is you have the um, gate 34 the power of the great, the gate of power. And this is an energy that empowers us towards individualization and celebrating our uniqueness in the world. When we are connected to gate 20, which you are, 
you will act on your own behalf, manifest and thrive, and you use your in, and your intuition will empower your ability to hear what you need to know in the now. So it's important for you in the present moment to be listening and paying attention. This is the second time this has come up for you, the present moment. Um, the energy is not available to others. It must remain independent and unique to remain pure in its power. So kind of talking about what, what you, you know, you're, what you're doing in your life right now. It's like what, th- what this is saying to me is that your strength is your uniqueness and that when you are acting in alignment that you can really manifest and thrive individually, you know what I mean? It's an individual thing because you're, um, but then in that, in that embodying of your uniqueness, you draw that, those secure relationships and you, you're very productive and, um, and you accomplish your goals by the doing, right? but also by connecting to your soul, which feels like what you started doing in 2017, which is interesting. Yeah. The next gate is about um, practices that you can use to ground you. So as you're, you know, as you're, as you're looking at this um, general life theme energy, what are ways that you can ground yourself? And you have the gate of contemplation, the gate of metamorphosis. And this is a purely existential gate. Uh, the throat center is the final stage of expression. So you have your throat defined and um, it is the function of speaking or acting um, in the now, pardon me. Um, And in the now you will receive instant clarity or action. So your grounding practices should involve grounding yourself into the present moment because it's in the present moment that you will receive the clarity and the action that you need um, without any consideration for the past or future. It's, um, it's strictly like knowing intuitively um, in the now as an awareness and then your self-loving behaviors empowering others. So I'm not, I haven't eloquently said that to you, um, but basically the way that I think the way that I think of that, and I don't know how it resonates with you, is like in the now, you have access to what needs to be said or done. And that you when you self-love yourself, that will empower others. And really that's the case with everyone, but this is part of your like way of being in the world. You know what I mean? It's an important thing specifically for you. Uh, the next one is more about the triggers. It might be the parts where you have a little bit more healing that you that needs to happen in your life. And this is the gate of dispersion and the gate of sexuality. And this is the sexual energy to bond with a mate. It is here to create a deep connection with others through intimacy. It may also be the energy to enter a creative business venture with someone, which can result in new projects being brought to life. And so what this tells me is that that maybe one of the energetic triggers or one of the ways that you've navigated your life that have felt like you keep revisiting it and you can't quite like figure it out is sort of maybe those intimate relationships, both personally and professionally, because I think there's, I mean, there's obviously like intimacy, um, I think, but then when you're in any kind of relationship with someone, especially if it's business, you know, there is an intimacy there too. 
Yeah. Do you know, like, when you were talking there about these four gates, and what I'm seeing is, and you kind of touched on it, the, the first two, I'm kind of, I'm on the other side of them now. I've kind of dipped my toe in and gone, yeah, I like it here. So I'm going to step onto this side. And then I've got these two gates at the end. And by putting everything together, what we spoke about today, the social media yeah. comes from my perspective and my self-worth. Mm-hmm. And then the last gate, which is the sexuality and the business, I think because I've done everything on my own, always, always, I can do it, I can do it, I don't need anyone, I don't need anyone. It's kind of these last two gates are saying, find your self-worth, know that you are worthy, then go into Yeah, and allow, and I think what's so nice about human design is it allows for so what is that doesn't feel good? Like I'm sure it doesn't feel good if if you resonate with, you know that that desire to have like an intimacy or you know that connection with another person either you know in any way. But isn't it so good to know that like oh well that's one of the things that's sort of woven into into who you are. I think that makes it feel more surmountable or something for me that's what I, I it just it allows me to change what I make it mean and then the la- there is one more and oh this is your spiritual grounding this is where you can really be magnetic and where you can really move into unconditional love and this is the gate of spirit and this is a melancholic like emotional wave which is constantly moving through cycles of highs and lows when you are not in the mood to do something or be social honor your mood <laughs> Your most creative time is when you are melancholic. So embrace the inner spirit of this when it happens. You can experience a nervousness about about not knowing what to be passionate about. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm going through this morning. Like, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, oh, I've had a digital detox and I've done everything right. I've done, I've done all my self-care and the eclipse weekend and everything. And now I'm like, like it's a day before I've got to go back and do stuff. And I'm... <laughs> Uh, nervous I want to do stuff but I can't do it because I'm nervous (laughs) my goodness yes so in your highest aligned state you your your mood if that resonates with you if there's like a wave that you feel that is part of your genius you know that in that in the melancholy um that's when the creative creative moments come. So I have a a melancholy, um, aspect to my chart too. And what I'm learning to make it mean is that, you know, in, when I'm in the melancholy, I want to change it. Right. I don't want to feel that way, but now I'm starting to ask myself, okay, well, what if I allow it to be there? Because on the other side of it is through the melancholy, you know what I mean? For me, it's about knowings. It's the knowings that I have through the melancholy. And for you, it is the, it's the, it's the creative whatever the creativity is that comes through in those moments. Yes, because this weekend, because I've stopped, oh my God, the ideas, it's like that Mm. open head, it's like well open and it's, and I'm like, okay, are you going to (laughs) stop? So I just have to get my notepad and write it all down, just write it all down, write it all down. And then it's kind of like you say, I'm coming out of it now, so I want to execute, execute, execute. Right, but execute on the things that feel good, or at least start with those things. And I wanted to, um, I wanted to, I don't think I said this to you, but 
the un, the not self of the head center is so you know you're in like not self that you're you know you're being impacted by other people when you're trying to answer other people's questions or answering questions that don't matter. So if you find yourself, you know, falling into asking questions, like bring yourself back and it's like, does this, does this matter? Like, should I be thinking about this? Um, that might help you, that might help redirect you. I think that all of these tools just allow for people to, it's like, again, tips and tricks, like to, to just man, to, to navigate their life in a way that feels a little bit easier. You know, everyone's like ripping the wheel and, and, you know, and feeling not worthy. And, um, and this just allows for, you know, a loosening of the wheel. You've been bopping around your third line has you all over the place. You have so much trial and error up until this moment. You may have mean that there was something wrong with you, that there was, you know, because you're a manifesting generator and you like to move from thing to thing you might have made oh you know you're inconsistent you can't commit to anything but what if that is what if that is your you know genius <laughs> because exactly like you just said i'm literally like i'm inconsistent i can't keep anything i i I'm, and here i am beating myself up for it and trying to put a a, a square peg in a round hole <laughs> and really i just need to embrace who i really am and go with the ebb and flow of my energy because it's right for me yeah well, at a minimum, start to experiment with it. I mean, start to experiment with, again, listening to what your sacral, uh-huh, uh-uh. If, if, if you knew that you could not, like some people are here just to initiate. They're here to think of things and do and tell, tell people what they're doing. That's the manifester and do. You are, you have that like beautiful combination of, yes, you can initiate, but the way that you initiate is through responding to something that lights you up thinking about it for a second envisioning it does it still feel good when i envision it in my brain and then telling people what you're going to do like i have a manifester son the only real example that i can give you is of manifester energy is with my son and i trained him from an early age trained him to tell me what he's doing to inform me so he doesn't have to necessarily ask me but he has to tell me because the manifester in informing the people around them and you have this energy it, 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 it in the informing not asking the informing it again it shifts the energy of the people around you because and then sometimes what happens is that you will say something you will initiate something and then you'll take it as far as you want to go and then someone else will take over yeah you know what i mean that's what I'm finding as well. It's like little things that I do and I think, oh, this is a brilliant idea. And then I'll start doing it. And then I think, oh, but she'd be better at this. So yeah. I kind of want to go here. I've built this, but it looked better on you. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, oh my God, this is like blown my mind because like if I'm, say for instance, if I like, you know, live in the coaching world as it is and I'm looking for a coach and I really want to have my mind blown wide open and find out what is the issue with me, this would be right up my street because you've answered so many questions and, and I have the beauty of having this podcast available to me at all times. I'm just going to keep listening back to this and finding new nuggets of information as to what to do next. 
and I and and you know I've it's it saw myself that from now on when things come up I'm straight away I'm not going to ask my mind or my heart or anything else I'm going to find out what does my sacral say and if that and because as you were saying it I get, I get it. Like my body will, will lunge forward if something's right. I'll be like, yeah, and it, and it comes from there. But if something's right, I'll be like, nah, and I kind of like pull away. So I'm gonna I'm gonna like just say things like it. Just even if I do it in my mind, like I've got an idea for a dementia club. So dementia club has that feel. Does that feel like a pull or does it feel like a recline? Uh huh. And then I'll know. Right. And it's the, and it's an experiment. So it's like, I think, I think sometimes it's the unlearning of the, the doing, the doing, the doing, the doing, the doing, because you can, you're such a good doer. Yeah. And really curating the doing to the things that are, that light you up and, and following that yes and no. And, um, it really can just that alone could shift the way that you experience your entire life, because now you have something inside of you that you're learning to trust. Um, even if you don't do all the other parts, you know what I mean? Even if the, the, the right angle cross of the sleeping Phoenix never comes up in your life again, you know what I mean? You have this, this, this knowingness inside of you that you can connect to, which I think is what everybody really longs for. Oh my goodness. Wow. It's blown my mind. Like seriously, I feel like I know. I said my my energy was like go 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 go, but it's even more so now. I'm like, I want I want to go and experiment <laughs> and we'll just see. Yeah, and what's going to be massive for me because I'm going to make because I can see how damn like not damaging, but how limiting it is to me is the fact that I ask everybody's permission. I'm going to start giving myself permission. If my sacral says, yeah, if my sacral says, yeah, then give myself permission to just go ahead and do it. And then go to people, this is what I'm doing as of X, Y, Z. Not, do you think, do you think this is a good idea? Because it's not them that, that that's had the idea downloaded, is it? It's for me. Like, I believe that we are given these little drips of, um, you know, inspiration from source, universe, whatever, because it's meant for us. So other people are not going to understand it because it's not meant for them. Right. And I would really love to hear what happens um, the first time you decide to inform someone instead of asking their permission, just what that, what, what that whole experience is. Because I think sometimes we also get into these patterns with people um, where we ask their permission and we think, well, if I don't do that anymore, then how are they going to interact with me? But what you'll notice is they don't change at all. They'll, you know what I mean? Like you'll, if you tell them, like when you think about informing someone that might feel uncomfortable because you're so used to asking people's opinions and you might tell yourself a story, well, oh, well, they're going to give me their opinion anyway, or, but it'll be interesting to see what happens because when you shift something inside of you, even though people can't, they don't know what it is, they feel it. You know what I mean? And so you will be, they will be interacting with a different Sarah who's telling them, not asking them. And then it's kind of like, now what? With everyone I work with, I explain to them that you know, if you try something different, small things in your life, you can create massive change because what you realize is 
that you know what you know what you've been doing and you know what you've been getting. And you're saying you want something different. So it's like, do something different. Yeah. Inform instead of ask. And what you might find is that people, I don't know, that the, the energetic exchange with the person is is delightful. And and it just and then you just feel so much like powerful. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> I'll, have, I'll be checking in. The thing is, well, this yeah. is what happens. I get like, so invested in people and their like lives, and then I'm like, I wonder how they're doing. Yeah. But I send them off out of the nest, and then I don't often hear from them again. So they seem to be doing good. Well, they, well, yeah. Well, this is it, you know, I, I've got a couple of friends who are Chinese medicine practitioners, and they're like, you know, they never see these clients again. And I said, Well, you're doing it wrong because you're fixing them, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. Right, and that's that's what we want, right? We want people. To to, we want people to empower themselves. You know, we want people have to heal themselves, I guess is the, is the best way of saying it. But, um, but it's, you do get like interested in, in what happens. Oh my goodness. Well, thank you so much for that. But, but Bridget, I, like, because there's going to be people out there who might be thinking, I need to work with that girl. So how can they come and work with you? How can they learn about the human design and everything? So they can find me on all the social media apps. I am on Instagram at the Bridget Cooper. My website is thebridgetcooper.com. And I also have a Dear Abby like advice column on Facebook called Dear Bridget, where people can send me questions, and I get to answer them um, in you know in a way that with the intention of allowing people to feel better. Yeah. And, um, and usually, I have the ability people can book a call with me where we you know get right into it, and it's sort of one and done. Um, and then I have a free thirty-minute discovery call, so people can meet with me and we kind of talk about what, you know, what it is that, again, the story that they're living in and can I help them? And, um, and then I usually work with people like three, six, you know, nine, 12 weeks. It kind of just depends, you know, people are at different stages of, of their process. And sometimes I come in and they're like, Oh, now I see it. And that's all they need to see. You know what I mean? That other people, sometimes I tell people we can practice being the person that you want to be before you like practice with me before you, you know, present the person to the world. Yeah. That too. That's beautiful. I mean, like, and I love again, like, you know, cause I think you all have guessed from my social media hatred and the manipulation of it. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, well it's, it's this amount of time and that's it. But you're like flexible. Yeah. You'll only work with them as much as they need you and, and things like that. Absolutely. I like, I like a six week container just because usually by the third week, usually the second week, I have a really good understanding of what this person is navigating. You know what I mean? It's sort of like, like for me, like I am bad. Do you know what I mean? Like I can get that out of people. Like what is the thing? Um, and, and then from there, it's just a matter of again, crafting the new story that they want, that they want to live in, you know what I mean? And then moving into that. So it is my favorite thing to do. And I know that I left a very, you know, su successful career, but I got to tell you, it's nowhere near as inspiring as what I'm doing now. 
Wow, it sounds awesome. I'd love to like go down that path and learn all about it and how to do it with people because just hearing what you've said has changed my perspective on myself yet again. Like, I don't think this journey ever ends, does it, for learning? I just, you know, every day, doesn't matter who I speak to, I, I learn something from everybody. That's why we're here. Yeah. It's amazing. Oh my God. Well, thank you so much, Bridget, for all your time and for doing that with me. That was incredible. Like, I am going to listen to that over and over again, just to, and obviously I'll, I'll get the report off you, but yeah, and I'll keep people up to date with how things change for me, especially around social media. Yeah. Thank you so much. It's really my honor when someone will let me into their brain. I feel the most honored and thank you. No problem. And if I knew that, like, that it would be just so simple to change my perspective on social media rather than fighting against it all the time. And I had my own, I hate Mark Zuckerberg club. You know what I mean? <laughs> and it's actually nothing to do with him. It's to do with me. <laughs> it's all about what you make it mean. What do you make it mean? And you made it mean something that felt terrible. And now you see what you want to make it mean. And no one ever taught us that we get to decide what things mean to us. We just thought we had to respond to our environment. And so it's so it's incredibly powerful to witness it and other people too. So bravo. So yeah, thank you, Bridget, so much for coming on. Um, you know, I will do a little write-up to this on Facebook and on Instagram and link your profiles into there. So if anybody wants to come and get in touch with you, they can do that. But thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. <laughs> well take care and good luck with everything that you do thank you <laughs> well there she be <laughs> what did you think for me that was mind-blowing with how spot-on she was I will be looking into my full report and seeing how I can gain clarity just by being me. There's so much to be said for just being you and embracing your natural gifts. But that is all for this week. I will be sharing every tool and link, including Bridget's handle, should anyone wish to contact her. And then you can also take advantage of the tools that we have used and touched upon today, especially the books. But join me next time, Saturday the 21st of May, where we're going to hear from our originally advertised guest for today. Um, but I fucked up. <laughs> so sorry, Bon. Um, we're going to be hearing from Bon Collins. Now, Bon grew up in the UK in a cult. She faced fertility issues and she is now an inspirational coach for people who are looking to become stronger whilst not focusing on their body image. It's a really powerful show, guys. Can't wait for you to hear it. But until then, stay safe, stay well, and I'll see you all again very soon. You've been listening to the It's a Crazy Life podcast. My name's Sarah and I've been your host. This podcast is dedicated to raising awareness for mental health whilst helping to end this stigma. Thank you.